0: Hi, I'm Grace and I'm an indie vet. I'm also home from work at 6 and already transformed into a princess. Mommy, put on your crown. That's because I've got complete control of my schedule, plenty of shifts that fit my life and a team like no other. It's a whole new way to vet. Indie vets. <laughs>
1: going on belly up sports fam, Mr. Shaka Cummings and Mr. Parker Ainsworth. Welcome to fn Sports, the podcast with two teachers. Great sports, biggest issues. Parker, happy Memorial Day to you, sir. How has your weekend gone?
2: A lot like every other weekend where I hadn't left the apartment a whole lot. No, it's been it's been okay. Um, you know, we, we did we only normally do takeout once a week so we got a little pizza for a second takeout this week and Felt good about it. But, you know, nothing too crazy. How about yourself, Shaka?
1: So, the restrictions have been let up a little bit in Kentucky. And so, we had a little cookout with my in-laws. And so, that was nice. We did some burgers and that sort of thing yesterday. So, you know, Memorial Day has gone pretty well. Uh, There was some sports on television. So, uh, things things (laughs) definitely felt uh, almost normal. Almost normal. Sports Uh, were
2: almost normal, too, I guess, right? Yeah, absolutely.
1: (laughs) <laughs> Parker what gold stars do you have for this week
2: uh, My gold star for the week uh, Goes to ESPN um, I think I detentioned them Recently but my gold star Goes <laughs> to ESPN because uh, This weekend yesterday Today is re- recording on a Monday Yesterday Sunday they played a couple hours of Versions of the best of This is SportsCenter commercials And divided them up into a bunch of different categories and um, Like best with mascots Best with single athletes Best with teams or whatever uh, was a great ad campaign for about 25 years. Um, I'm sure it's all over their ESPN uh, what you know .com and the ESPN Plus app and stuff like that. If you can go look it up. But those ads were always really funny, and they did a whole you know couple hours worth of, of footage around them. A lot of inside stories and stuff on it too. But that was a lot of fun. Good couple hours, and frankly, a couple hours that like took me back to my childhood. And it, like. You know it's kind of sad to think about but like stuart scott was a guy i had breakfast with every morning in a lot of ways you know and so like just being able to sit there and watch him on sports center while i had a bowl of cereal and so now to get to see him on screen again is really cool do you have a favorite this is sports center commercial shaka
1: actually i do and it kind of connects to my gold star my favorite this is sports center commercial is the manning family doing the tour of espn's (laughs) facility and so peyton and eli are just kind of kicking each other and being uh you know brothers and uh that's my favorite what's your favorite
2: um my favorite that was like super simple was like jay harris is coming around the espn facility heading towards the elevator and he like he hits the arrow on the elevator button and the door opens, and it's the New Jersey Devil's mascot. And he walks in the <laughs> elevator and says, You going up? And the devil just shakes his head side to side, like, Nope. And he goes, Ooh. <laughs> he like sprints out of the elevator. <laughs> and for whatever reason, for like the 15 years that i has been on the air and I was a kid, like, I just always loved that commercial. It's just so, it gets me laughing every time. There's lots of funny ones, but that one gets me laughing every time.
1: No, that was hilarious. Um, My gold star goes to Eli Manning, and Eli Manning joined Twitter. Yay. So I root for the Jets and the Giants, and I've talked about why I root for both of them on a previous pod, so you can definitely go check them out to find out the reason. But Eli Manning is, in my mind, the best quarterback of any team that I've ever rooted for that I got to see, like, personally. Like, I get that both the Jets and Giants have Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and Eli isn't in the Hall of Fame yet, although I think he's going to go. But um, he's one of my favorite football players of all time. And so it's awesome. He joined Twitter. Uh, He shot a tweet out there, which was hilarious because the tweet that he shoots out there is like a play on Hoosiers. And he talks about getting to Twitter late. And Tom Brady responded back. And Tom Brady's response was, it's not like you ever did anything except show up in the fourth quarter anyway, which I thought (laughs) was a great response. My second gold star goes to... Uh, tom brady and peyton manning and tiger woods and phil mickelson they did the match part two on sunday and that was enjoyable it was a little bit of competition it was some of them trash talking each other it was charles barkley trash talking and all these uh stars who were calling in and tweeting because tom brady wasn't playing so well and trash talking him and then he hits a shot on seven that's just an incredible shot Pulls it out uh, with his iron. It's, I mean, you have to go back and see it if you haven't. It. It's amazing. He actually splits his pants, like reaching into the cup to pull the <laughs> ball out, which also is amazing. So, just uh, a little bit of competition yesterday, a little bit of golf. I'm not the biggest golf guy, but it was nice to kind of see Tiger and Phil, who are obviously notable names, but also these guys who, in Peyton and Tom, who You know, obviously golf isn't their thing, but competition is. And so to see them get out there and do this thing for charity, they raised like over $20 million, which is crazy. And all that's going to go to COVID release. So that is all good. All good stuff. Um, I got a couple of
2: detentions. One is a little silly than the other. So we'll start there. The Washington Nationals revealed what their World Series rings are going to be like. You know, obviously they were hoping to hand them out at a ceremony for their first home game that is now a couple months past due and whatnot. Um, but on the side that they're not personalizing, every single ring has the baby shark emblem. And if you're not sure what I'm looking <laughs> at, uh, look it up online. It's plastered plenty of places all over Twitter. But the idea that the Washington Nationals need to somehow immortalize the baby shark trend that did take off, and they did play it, I guess, at home at home games and stuff. But I just... It, I don't. I don't know that if in twenty years, if those guys are going to look back, that like, oh yeah, remember that baby shark song? Like, there's probably something more important to put on the side. <laughs> um, so whoever made that decision gets a detention from me. My other detention goes to Serge Aurier, uh, a but more importantly, a defender for the Tottenham Hotspurs in uh, the EPL. Uh, they're obviously playing or trying to get back to playing. And they put their players under lockdown or trying to keep everyone safe and secluded so they can get back to playing. And for the third time since since lockdown started, he breached the contract of sorts and le- left his lockdown area to go. I guess this third one is still under investigation, but the things have been just like going to get a haircut or going like it's like dude just let it grow (laughs) like it's not this is not important not important enough to break your hot spurs contract this is not important enough to delay the start of the league this is like what are you doing um and it also makes me a little bit worried but what's going to happen if we you know put a bunch of nba players in orlando and vegas and say you have to stay in your hotel for the next three weeks like Maybe they don't (laughs) So Based um, on what
1: we saw in the last dance We know that the stars are going to be locked down Like that's not going to be LeBron's (laughs) not going anywhere Because they can't afford to let him get Corona Now Kevin Knox He'll be all over the place (laughs) 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 Um, My detention this week Goes to Reggie Bush And it goes to Reggie Bush Because it's come out this morning That he's uh, speaking against The NCAA paying players And Not only do I disagree with that sentiment, like, obviously, again, we've done that podcast already, but, like, dear Mr. Kettle, you're black, sincerely, the pot. (laughs) Like, that's what I'm thinking. (laughs) Like, Reggie Bush got his husband taken away because of illicit benefits that were given to him. So, like, you don't get to speak on and tell folks about how evil everything is when your family was... Taking money uh, under the table, like you know what, you can calm down with that. Like I don't need you to be holier than now. You can step off of your soapbox, and until you get an ad job, you can just shut up. I don't need, I don't need his opinion on that one. We got a full slate on this Memorial Day. We're gonna talk a little bit of football. We'll talk about Tua Tagovailoa and whether or not he should start for the Miami Dolphins. We're also gonna talk. NBA and the best coaches in the history of the NBA to not win a ring. And then we will wrap up with a little fun discussion about sports podcasts. So without further ado, Mr. Ainsworth, are you ready to go, sir? Ready when you are, Shaka. Okay, Mr. Ainsworth, we're going to talk a little bit about Tua Tonga Vailoa, the first round draft pick for the Miami Dolphins. And the thesis statement reads The Miami Dolphins need to start to Tua Tagovailoa from day one when the NFL season returns. Based on that thesis statement, what grade would you give?
2: Uh, I'm going to go like a low B. I'll call it a B minus. What are you thinking, Mr. Cummings?
1: I think I'm going to go a little lower than you. I think I'm going to go with a C. This is one of those A or F deals, so I'm going to settle <laughs> at a C. Mr. Ainsworth, so when it comes to... Tua Vailoa and the Miami Dolphins, and whether or not he should start from day one, you gave that a low B, B minus. Talk to me about your reasoning. What are you thinking? Why are you a little bit hesitant? What do you think is good about Tua starting?
2: So there's a couple ways I'm I'm looking at it. And I think kind of like you said, there's like the A reasons and the F reasons. And so I'm trying to kind of balance out why it would be one or the other, right? But uh, as I look at it, I think A, like an A reason would be that obviously it's, A whole different experience to get him out there playing at the pro speed and the more experience you can get him the better. It's hard to mimic NFL game speed even at an NFL practice right and so the idea is that this is your quarterback for a long time getting him up to speed would be nice. The other thing I'll say is that if he's going to be working with guys like Devontae Parker and Preston Williams and Jordan Howard the truth is you want to get him working with those guys quickly. You want them working on some sort of a rhythm and routine and, and understanding when you're coming in out of breaks and how you're going to hit that eight yard back or, you know, whatever, however they're going to do it. Uh, the The reason I gave it a B minus as opposed to an A though is because Miami has a very young offensive line. They have, uh, <laughs> if you want to call him a veteran, he's, he's had a, a fairly up and down career, the new left guard because he's not a tackle anymore Eric flowers they have Thank
1: god he's not a tackle anymore he almost killed several <laughs> quarterbacks that played for the right Lions. they
2: they but they have a couple rookies uh in uh, i think it's is it Robert Hunt uh and Austin Jackson are both relatively young NFL players Ted Karras isn't an old NFL player at center with this young offensive line typically young offensive linemen very rarely don't i guess but typically they they get beat up by mature NFL defensive alignment. Alignment is a position that typically your prime or your good years comes a couple years in the league. Once you've physically matured, you've gotten bigger, stronger, faster, you understand the schemes better because NFL schemes are so much more complex. You know, I I, was, I remember being mind blown when I went to college that even a division three college center is supposed to be able to tell us something about the coverage by checking where the safeties lined up. And I was like, Oh my God. And the NFL jump is a whole nother jump <laughs> from that. Right. Um, and so the, the idea that that's where college centers are, and then you look at like an NFL center is going to have even more tendencies, you know, based on reading things. So I think that this idea that those guys are just going to be able to just step in and play, even, at, even the ones that aren't rookies, even the, the slightly older guys is, is a lot. And when you have a young offensive line, that typically means you want your quarterback to be able to run um, or to be able to, you know, move around in the pocket. Tua can certainly do that, but we've seen, you know, multiple times in the last three years that that also is a chance for him to get hurt. And if you drafted him in the top five, intentions I would hope are that he's, you know, a quarterback potentially of the future. And if you're going to have him out there where he could get hurt because you have a young, young offensive line, I think that might outweigh the benefit of him playing with a Devontae Parker and a Preston Williams, right? Um, You know, Devontae Parker, Jordan Howard, Preston, those guys are great. I don't know that it's worth investing in that relationship with Tua over his potential health.
1: Where I want to start is just that understand everyone, we're assuming Tua's healthy, right? That's the first thing. I mean, the biggest thing is he's got to be healthy enough to be able to go out there and play. And then you start asking the questions. Now, with that being said, I mean, I guess that gets into one of the reasons why I want to lean toward F is just... It is questionable in terms of his health. Even if he comes in and he has a clean bill of health from the medical staff, I guess you got to start asking the questions about like would him taking a few more weeks actually benefit him in terms of the hip, in terms of the ankles. So I think the medical staffs will ask that question. I also think that there's there's a piece that if you understand Chan Gailey, who's going to come in as the offensive coordinator and the a relationship that he has had with, um, oh my gosh, not forgetting Miami's quarterback's name, the Harvard guy. Um,
2: uh, Fitzpatrick.
1: Yes, Ryan Fitzpatrick. The relationship that he's had with Ryan Fitzpatrick when they were with the Jets, they actually worked really well together. There was a year where Ryan Fitzpatrick was the starter and the Jets. They were in the playoff hunt until the last game of the season, and then Fitzpatrick wet the bed in the last game of the season. But he threw right. for over 3,000 yards. He had a, a pretty high QBR that season. And so, knowing that Chan Gailey is going to be the offense coordinator along with Ryan Fitzpatrick, it actually gives you an opportunity in this non traditional offseason where you're basically doing video conferencing to say, hey, you know what? Let's let Fitzy start this thing. He knows Chan's offense, he's had success with it, and we can still wait a little bit on Tua. Now, the pieces that go into maybe why you want to start Tua is the visions of watching him at Alabama. And he was so good. He was so good. Um, <laughs> yeah. And Devontae Parker catching deep balls from Tua feels like, man, that could really be money. And then you start thinking about, like you mentioned, some of the help that he has. One of the other pieces in terms of that help is uh, Mike Gesicki, who plays tight end. And so yeah. it's always a good deal if you can – have that tight end for that young quarterback so that he has that little dump off uh, when things get into trouble. And Jordan Howard's a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. So, you know, your blitz checks are going to be tight ends, slot receivers, the running back out of the backfield. So you have some of those things. And so – I look at those things, and I say, okay, maybe, maybe send him out there. And then, of course, what I think everyone goes to, if you think that he should start from day one, you go to the success stories of guys who started from day one. So you look at, like, a Deshaun Watson or a Cam Newton or um, guys who just went out there and played really well right away, Robert Griffin III. And, of course, if you don't want him to start right away, then you look at the success stories of guys who sat for a little bit, right? Because uh, Carson Palmer sat for a whole year because – Aaron Rodgers sat for two years, two-plus years, right? So you look at those and you're like,
2: Patrick Mahomes sat a year. Yeah, Yeah. Patrick
1: Mahomes sat basically an entire year. These guys, when you start looking through (laughs) the – and try to find a pattern, there's no pattern. Like, there's no discernible pattern to say one is better than the other because (laughs) – Peyton Manning started and ended up being Peyton Manning, right? And Robert Griffin the third started, ended up being Robert Griffin the third. So like, It's um, Robert
2: Griffin seems to be the telltale story, right? Because the truth is, is he lit it up right out the gates just like he did in college. There was it seemed to be like no transition at, at all for him between the college game and the pro game. He stepped out, did the same things, lit it up with his arm and his legs, was running around people. When you put all your people in the box, he threw over the top of them. He had a really great rookie campaign and then he gets hurt right and there's like the the that like defining moment in i forget if it was week 17 or the first week of playoffs that year but um where the turf's not great because it's been bad weather in washington he slips and falls and then gets popped and it's like oh that's it robert griffin's done and there's a real chance of that with tua again i go back to his, the youth in his offensive line happening earlier in the season as opposed to later but i think you brought up one great point shock is it's not like they don't have another option, right? They—it's not like they don't have another quarterback to play. And it's like if we don't play Tua, we're essentially tanking again. The truth is, Fitzpatrick—you could argue—goes into like. Could go into the hall of fame of journeymen across all sports like he seems to be this like very you know just above mediocre quarterback he is never going to be an all-time great quarterback but he'll be just above mediocre wherever he plays for the rest of time they also have rosen still right who they trade they shipped people off for a year ago yeah absolutely so truthfully it's not like there is this big rush it's almost like if you could the golden scenario i see would actually be playing having Fitzpatrick if you need him, but playing Rosen to where he's tradable, right? Playing Josh Rosen until he's like, huh, this guy's still young. Frankly, he's younger than number one overall pick was this year, right? He's still younger than Joe Burrow. So you could play him, make him tradable, make up an asset and then bring in some help back to help Tua once Tua's ready to go.
1: The biggest thing to me is that they have Fitzpatrick who like I'm looking at pro football focus and their ranking of quarterbacks and Ryan Fitzpatrick had a better season than Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Philip Rivers, Baker Mayfield, Teddy Bridgewater, Jared Goff, Gardner Minshew, Jameis Winston, Dwayne Haskins, uh, Joe Flacco, Andy Dalton, Daniel Jones, Mitchell Trubisky, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, uh, Sam Darno. Like all these guys started games, and Fitzley was better than all those guys, and he knows Changeli's system. I think that there has to be something said for. Dealing with playing quarterback in the time of pandemic. Like, two is going to come in, and there's going to be so much that's already going to be new for him. And so to not have a traditional offseason, to kind of get ready for that stuff, I think that that's as good a reason as any to say, you know what? Yeah, we're going to run Fitz out there, at least for the first few games in the season, at least for, like, the first quarter, first half of the season. And maybe you get the best of both worlds in that way, the old Hannah Montana lyric. You get the best of both worlds. You get Fitzy <laughs> out there for – maybe the first half of the season, transition Tua in, Tua gets to learn the system, and then Tua can come in and finish up the second half of the season. I don't know that the Dolphins have Super Bowl aspirations anyway, so you can always make adjustments off of any of these things, but I think there would be something, too, going out there and saying, you know what, we, maybe we do tank the season a little bit and see if we can get a high enough draft pick where they could get like that Oregon offensive tackle, uh, Panay, like, because he's, he's good enough to go number one overall, but he probably won't with Trevor Lawrence being in the draft. So, like, you know, just maybe setting yourself up so that you can get to with of the help that you know that he's going to need. And guys who could all grow up together under Coach Flores, I think that there could be something to that as well.
2: I got a question for you, Shaka. Is there a mark or an indication if it's not the start of the season that would need, like, once they have an easier stretch of their schedule? Or is it... You know, about halfway through the season, once Tua has been around the clubhouse a little bit more understands the NFL game, is it? Is there something that would change your mind about that at some point in the season? Like, okay, he seems ready, even if it's something we can't see from the outside looking into the clubhouse.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously the coaches are going to be able to watch him, and they're going to see how he plays with those weapons. So that's a big part of it. Maybe it's even the development of the offensive line. Like you pointed out, you got a lot of young guys there, but maybe they mature and they come together in a way that we can't see, in a way that we can't anticipate. Now, I guess what I would point to in terms of a tangible is if Miami starts Fitzpatrick and I always look for when's the bye week, because if you got a young quarterback, can you get a guy that can get you to the bye week? And then you figure out where you're at and then you make a decision at the bye week. Their bye week is week 11, which means you would be saying that you're going to sacrifice Tua for a significant portion of the season, essentially, because you won't play him until the bye. But maybe that's a logical time to take a look and see where we are as a team. Like, after 10 games, where are we? Are we 5-5 five and five in a division where 5-5, five and five, you're actually competing for the division championship? Then maybe we stick with Fitzpatrick. Or, you know, maybe we're 2-8. and eight. And, you know, after the bye, like, what do we have to lose by throwing Tua out there obviously injury <laughs> injury being right. the key factor there but um if he's healthy what do we have to lose like let's let's go ahead and see what we got in the last six games so like I look at that bye week and it's weird the bye week is actually sandwiched by Jets games like I don't know that that's ever happened so like um that even could make <laughs> some sense strategically like okay you guys play against Fitz magic and then you get the uh, bye week and now you got to play against Tua like after the bye I don't right. maybe that could make some sense even strategically but um their final six games they got the jets cincinnati so those feel like winnable games potentially um and obviously tua versus joe burrow that would be a huge game if uh, they waited until after the bye then you got to play kansas city and new england which you don't know what new england's going to be but you feel like kansas City's probably going to be pretty good uh the the raiders and then you end with buffalo who feels like they're going to be pretty good so it's not like there's a a stretch at least after the bye where it's going to get easier Um, So maybe I just look at that and say, hey, why not wait until the bye and then throw two out there after that?
2: I think you bring a good point in the bye, and that's kind of where I was headed to, is that it's so late in the season that you'll know a lot more about your season. It's interesting you brought up, like, their division, since Tom Brady's no longer in it, you've got... New England is still New England and Belichick. Like, they'll probably still be a Nate at work. I mean, maybe maybe we disagree there, and that's a different pod for a different time, but I think that's still a decent team. You've also got Buffalo, who had a pretty good season last year and it's only older and more mature, and added some pretty good wide receiver depth in Diggs. So, I think Stephon Diggs, I think that they, you know, as a pretty strong team in Buffalo, do they get to that buy and say, we've got no shot at division, no shot at playoffs? Let's throw Tua in there and see what happens. Or we get to the Dubai and we have no shot at division, no shot at playoffs. Why would we have Tua get hurt playing right now? You know, like I, I don't know how they'll feel about it, but um, I think that'll be interesting if he doesn't start the year to see where they come out in between those Jet games, um, where they come out as far as their decision on playing Tua.
1: That's a very weird Jet sandwich. Like, <laughs> I don't understand yeah. how that happened. Okay, so Mr. Ainsworth, our next thesis statement obviously comes from some uh fairly tragic news in the nba that uh jerry sloan passed away and so hearing about all the tributes that kind of came out about jerry sloan and thinking about the last dance we put together this thesis statement jerry sloan is the best coach to never lead his team to an nba title so i throw that thesis statement at you what do you say
2: Um, it might be because I'm sentimental, Shaka, but I'm leaning towards like an A minus. And I think that's mostly an A minus because I think it's hard to definitively give the crown to any one person. But I think he's very, very high, if not the top of the list. So I'm going to give it an A minus. How about yourself?
1: So Jerry Sloan, in my mind, is in this group of coaches that all deserve some credit. That being said, I graded it a little uh, lower than you because I'm in the B range. And I'm probably thinking b I'm just going to go straight solid B. Parker, so now we're going to talk a little bit about the greatest coaches of all time who have not won an NBA championship. And obviously, this is uh, triggered by the passing of Jerry Sloan, incredible, great Hall of Fame coach with the Utah Jazz, and also a great player with the Chicago Bulls, which people forget about. Um, I wasn't (laughs) old enough to see him, but my dad will tell you that like Jerry Sloan, was as rough and tumble a player as there was. and he played in an era where like that was allowed. <laughs> so my right. dad always respected Jerry Sloan. But um, obviously, Jerry Sloan's pretty high on the list. Uh, you you went a minus, I believe. So talk to me about uh, Jerry Sloan and your what you feel about him as a coach.
2: So I said a minus because there's part of me that's probably caught up in nostalgia because he just passed away this past week. Uh, it also comes right on the heels of the last dance. There's also part of me that might be like measuring myself and trying to not get caught up in that. So I don't know why I settled the A- as far as which one of those it is. (laughs) But I have always thought of Jerry Sloan as a great coach that just could not get over the hump. In large part because he had to play Michael Jordan a couple times. And if you remember, there was a couple times earlier in the Western Conference that he had to play a guy named Akeem Olajuwon. Shout out to my Houston Rockets. Right there. There's a... he really ran into those two walls of sorts though and the funny thing is when we measure the greatness of Jordan or the greatness of Akeem or the greatness of Shaq's Lakers, Shaq and Kobe's Lakers or, or Tim Duncan or whoever and not necessarily just who won titles because lots of players have won titles. People forget that before the like 87, 88 Lakers like it was kind of seemed somewhat impossible to win back-to-back titles because no one had done it since the 60s and then the Lakers did it, the Pistons did it, the Bulls did it, the Rockets did it, the Bulls did it again, right? Like, until that, like, 10-year stretch, it had been a long time. And so we don't just measure guys anymore by how they win titles, but also by how they shut people out of titles, right? How they're closing windows. Like, part of those Warriors' legacies from the last five years will be, you know, they did to James Harden what Jordan did to the, to the Jazz, right? Or, or whatever you want to do, right? Um, James Harden is top to an MVP four out of the five years, and he can't get past this team, right? That's a, that is a bar to measure those Golden State Warriors teams. What I what is interesting to me is that there's it's like you said there's a tier of coaches that have not won a title. I did not feel comfortable putting current head coaches in that because. You know, like, I, I would put a D'Antoni in there, not just from my Houston Rockets fandom if you hadn't been on by the first three minutes of the segment. I'm a big Rockets fan, but he's also <laughs> did a lot of work with Phoenix. Phoenix changed basketball in the mid-2000s, and he was a big part of that. But I don't want to necessarily say he's the best coach to ever or in this same tier, because if he wins a title in two years, frankly, it might not be with my Houston Rockets, but with if he wins a title in two years, I'm going to look like an idiot, right? So I don't want to put current guys on there. That's that's all I have to say. If I look at guys that are certainly no nowhere near current anymore, because like a Mark Jackson could come back or or whoever, but like George Carl is not coming back, right? Hubie is not. Huey Brown not coming back, right? Um, Donnie Don Nelson is probably not coming back, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of these guys, uh, if you look at them as the greatest coaches without titles, well, sure I'm sure name some of the same names. Jerry Sloan has the highest win percentage as far as regular season and postseason win percentage. I I have him ranked pretty highly.
1: So I want to break it down into a couple of different categories. I want to start with uh, the category of coaches that, in my mind, they're great coaches, but they're never going to be on a list like this. So there's guys like Jeff Van Gundy and Stan Van Gundy, who I absolutely love. Flip Saunders, uh, another Uh, coaches passed away these are coaches who I absolutely loved and I think that they incredibly intelligent about basketball Um, I I really
2: I I hesitate to say either the Van Gundy brothers are done I could see either one of them being back in the next two or three years no
1: absolutely if it it was the right job I could see Jeff Van Gundy even doing the Knicks again frankly Um, but those guys I think are incredible coaches like incredible basketball minds and so uh, there's a there's that tier for me and then there's the tier where I look at and this is where jerry sloan is kind of in this exalted space of the best coaches to not win a championship and for me it's hard to pick one if i'm looking at jerry sloan who you you listed his accolades he's he's an incredible coach so i'm not gonna try to knock him but it's hard for me to pick him but from don nelson don nelson has won more basketball games than anyone else in the history of the nba as a head coach which is something to consider i mean You talked about it. People kept hiring Don Nelson. Why? Because Don Nelson wins. Where Don Nelson struggled was always in the playoffs. Uh, And he has one of the greatest upsets in playoff history as well as a head coach. So he had some success. He also obviously didn't have the playoff record that a Jerry Sloan has. Uh, Rick Adelman. Rick Adelman. His best chance to win an NBA championship, in my mind, is actually not the Sacramento team. Uh, and I fully recognize that if we look at Tim Donahue and the fouls that were called in that Game <laughs> 7 with the Lakers, you're like, oh my gosh, how's that not his best chance? Uh, for,
2: he... for reference to any young, I uh, will say student who is listening and does not know the full <laughs> extent of the Tim Donahue story, the fouls, I think, at some point were taken off of YouTube, but Donahue was later found guilty of working very literally with the mob to rig basketball not, games. Not
1: found guilty, he said. Like he, yeah. like Donahue <laughs> said, this is what I did. And then pointed to that game. It said, go look back at the Western Conference Finals. What year was it, like 2003 or something? Um, it
2: was Game 7.
1: Game 7. Yeah. It was Sacramento, Lakers. I just can't remember the year. And I, But you get keep it. 3
2: soundtrack. But I, he calls it. He, he called to a that game. Bu- <laughs> a bunch of fouls. He does say, I think at some point in the same line of questioning, that the truth is the mob was betting on total points over-under. And so if it was a over, he would call a lot of fouls because free throws are like free points. And so that game, those lots of fouls led to a lot of Lakers fouls, which meant to a, a lot of Kings fouls meant led to a lot of Lakers foul shots, which led to a lot of Lakers points, and a deciding Game 7 to go to the NBA Finals. But... He, I don't think would say that that necessarily shaped every outcome of the games he refereed. It just meant it shaped the foul calling in all of the games and he refereed. I mean,
1: we can't even be sure that it even shaped that game. Because once again, Sacramento was going against Kobe and Shaq. Like, if people want to say, oh, they definitely would have beat Kobe and Shaq. Yeah, let's slow your roll on that even. But uh, just to get back to my original point, uh, Rick Adelman's best chance to win the championship to me was actually the Portland team that we see on The Last Dance. He has uh, Clyde Drexler, he has Terry Porter, he has Buck Williams, he has Kevin Duckworth, he has Clifford Robinson. That team was incredible. And that team gets to the finals and they run into Michael Jordan and the buzz saw that he was. It was that Portland team that actually knocks Magic Johnson out of the Western Conference Finals. And I believe that that's the team that kind of put Showtime Lakers away. Like you don't ever see the Showtime Lakers again. It's Portland that actually put them away, and it was uh, Rick Adelman coaching that club. Um, so he's definitely on that list as far as best coaches uh, to not win. They I, I,
2: also, I would also say that on the same in that same Portland run earlier, like two years earlier. They also won the West, but they got decimated in the finals by the Pistons. Yeah,
1: um, um, Clyde Drexler ended up getting to the yeah. final source. Yeah, that team I don't think was the best team. It was not, it was not were,
2: as good a team, but he did win the West another time. So absolutely. Like to, know, to, the bad to, boys to, kind of ramped. in them. a little bit.
1: Yeah. The other coach whose name has to be on the list is George Carl. And George Carl, people look at the fact that he coached the first one seed to lose to an to eight seed. And they want to ding him for it because the Seattle team got beat by Dikembe Mutombo and the Nuggets. And it's like, okay, I get it. But George Carr was an incredible coach who had success at multiple stops. And he also coached a Seattle team. Like, it gets lost in the annals of history because the Bulls won 72 games (laughs) that year. Right. But that Seattle team, I believe, won 64, which (laughs) which is incredible.
2: (laughs) His Seattle run's incredible in general. So they didn't ever win a title. They won exactly 50% of the games they played in the playoffs. In his seven years in Seattle, the rest of his career brings his career-winning percentage down a little bit. They won 71, almost 72% of the regular season games they played. Like, that that seven seasons in Seattle was tremendous. Um, People
1: would go up to Seattle, and the expectation was that you were just going to lose. The home court advantage that yeah. the Supersonics had when George Call had it going with uh gary payton and with sean kemp and with nate mcmillan and sam perkins was out there just hitting threes the knicks were good at this time and the knicks like i i used to take a nap in the day so that i could stay up late for the west coast games i never stayed up for a seattle game it's like why am i staying up we're gonna go out there and lose nobody goes out to seattle and wins like that's how good george call had it going with seattle um and he's another guy who michael jordan (laughs) Prevented from getting a championship Uh, So he just goes He's another guy who ends up kind of going on this list Along with Jerry Sloan Along with uh, Rick Adelman Uh, And so for me Those four coaches it's hard to pick One over the other uh, they're all just great coaches, and they, they have longevity. Like you talked about win percentage before, and win percentage is a weird deal, right? Because Mike Brown has a higher win percentage than Jerry Sloan, and no one thinks that Mike Brown's a better coach than Jerry Sloan. They just, Mike Brown coached LeBron, so of course. But um, when you start looking at the wins and combine with the win percentage, that's when you're like, oh, my gosh. And so that's why, you know, a guy like Don Nelson who has the wins record, Jerry Sloan I believe is fourth all-time. With over 1,200 wins. Uh, Rick in is ninth all-time with over 1,000 wins.
2: Sloan's not just the win percentage. It, it's like you're saying, it's the total games. He also had 23 seasons in Utah and had over 60% wins, or won over 60% of his games in 15 different seasons. I he mean, he had, had
1: one, I believe he had one non-playoff season all his years in Utah, and it was his first year. And so, like, it's not just making the playoffs all those years. I believe that it was consecutive. So, like, even Malone and Stockton retire he still makes the playoffs with those utah teams like the well, darren he, williams team that everyone talks about because yeah. that's the year that he retires that team <laughs> that team is probably going to make the playoffs uh he just retires before the year lets up the
2: the truth is he, he has a really strong run and it's forever encapsulated in the last dance or espn also ran game six the movie right from the game six the 98 finals um and that's kind of considered like you know the peak but the truth is he also wins 11 playoff games in 99 he also wins 10 playoff games in 2000 right like he he does a he does a pretty good amount of winning afterwards as well people forget that you know that that sonic team we talked about george carl nudged him he and uh they ran into that in 96 and 95 they run into houston I i guess in 94 they also ran into houston um any, anyway, like, no, like there's a lot
1: of good teams in the West where they probably yeah. could have got to the finals. Absolutely.
2: Um, and so the truth is like, yes, he didn't get to the NBA finals, but there's a chance if he beats Houston in 94, 95, they're in the final. I guess they have to get beat Barkley and the Suns as well, but like they're also in the finals, right? Like the, those are also big seasons uh, as far as running, just running into an all time. Great. Uh, I guess the big knock on him, if you're trying to find a way to knock Jerry Sloan, would be that he has all of this winning in one stop. And part of that's who he is. He was, he was a he was not a homegrown guy in the sense that he was from Utah, but he was like, once this is my home, this is my home. He's going to stay there. Whereas George Carl has winning in, like, five stops, right? Uh, Don Nelson had regular season winning in all four of his stops, right? Yeah, but I don't getting... want to
1: get into, like, knocking these great coaches, but that could yeah. work both ways, obviously, right? Because in order to in five stops, She had to get fired in four. And George Carl right. got fired. We know that Don Nelson got fired. So there's something yeah. to said for them wanting to keep him because he kept winning.
2: He actually, he went, he coached Chicago right before Jordan gets there. He he, he finishes playing as an assistant coach. I, would, I had to look this up, though. Actually, I didn't know any of it. He finishes playing as an assistant coach for a year and then as their head coach while they're bad enough to get Jordan. They kick him out right before getting Jordan. He goes on to assistant coach in Utah and then moves into the head chair. Um, so you so could argue on. he led. So with... can't
1: we put that on Jerry Sloan's resume then? Like Jerry Sloan is the reason why Michael Jordan ends up with the Bulls. <laughs> like, hello. <Right. laughs> um,
2: his his final season as head coach in Chicago, they're nineteen and thirty-two before they fire him. Um, I guess that's technically not the year they draft Jordan, but it's certainly not not unrelated. Um, to the couple years later that they do draft Jordan. I would say it's interesting that if you're going to put that as opposite one another, his time in Chicago ends up leading to his biggest knock on his coaching resume, not because of anything to do with Chicago, but a couple years later, they draft Jordan. And then about 15 years later, he can't beat the guy. And that's it, right? (laughs) Like that's, that's a weird connection to make, but that's only two franchises he's tied to, are well, Utah you uh, Chicago. Find,
1: he's got to find a way to keep the cocaine circus together, if he could just have done that. <laughs> 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 His whole career is different if he does that. Okay, so Mr. Ainsworth, we're going to talk a little bit about sports podcasts. Since we have our own little sports podcast here with FN Sports, it's obvious that we listen to some other great sports podcasts that are out there. And so our thesis statement the Ringer has the best collection of sports podcasts. How would you grade that thesis statement?
2: I think I made some prize to people here because people know I listen to plenty of their stuff, obviously. I think I'm going to give that thesis a B minus. Yeah, I I was debating between the C plus, B minus mark. I'm going on the B plus side, or B minus side, B minus. What do you grade it, Shaga? The
1: way that you said that, like it almost was like you were convincing yourself while you were saying it, B minus. <laughs> um, <laughs> um I think that I'm gonna give it a C. I listen to a little bit of the Ringer, but it's not where I consume most of my sports podcasts. Okay, Mr. Ainsworth, our thesis statement starts with talking about the Ringers series of podcasts. Uh And you gave it a B minus, which, yeah, I'm kind of surprised by, because I know you like The Ringer, and I know that you listen to a lot of stuff that comes from them. Talk to me a little bit about why you went B minus. So, I went B minus,
2: I think, because The Ringer is good at very specific stuff they do. And so, like, if you appreciate sports on the diving deep into analytics and numbers and undercovers, like, looking under things specifically, they seem to do that really well to me. The The NBA show, whether you're listening to The Mismatch or or whatever you're listening to as far as NBA coverage goes, um, is really strong as far as those kinds of deep dives into going way too deep into a couple of numbers kind of talks can go, right? Bill Simmons himself, I would argue, had better writing and things like that in the Grantland in earlier days than he does now. Um, but his podcast of the Rossillo on Sunday night seemed to be pretty entertaining. I liked his book of basketball podcast of this year. Um, they did a fun a fun deal if you're a millennial or Gen Z and want to look back at some fun redrafts of some late nineties, early two thousands drafts. Um that are questionable picks but basketball is changing a lot and so they kind of in you know dive into why those picks were made and those kind of things and redraft the best they can knowing what they have in hindsight i i think the reason i gave a b minus though is because that's not what i'm always looking for when i look for a sports podcast sometimes i'm looking for more entertainment sometimes i i'm like but you're diving way too deep into this like true shooting percentage from the left corner like i don't i don't need all of that every single time i'm looking for a sports podcast I think one of the better podcasts that they've done has actually been uh, they did a <laughs> it was silly but it was like the hottest take and for like a string of like three or four months in a row every morning they would push a like eight minute hot take like pineapple does not belong on pizza and then have like three <laughs> or four random ringer podcasters going into way too much detail about why pineapple didn't belong on pizza and the truth is shakas that's how me and my college friends like talk about anything we dive way too deep into the <laughs> smallest of minutia, uh, and so that i had some fun with that podcast
1: you pushed a couple um, of those to me too which are hilarious <laughs> <laughs> they're,
2: they're really really funny they're not very tied to sports um the ringer, the ringer does like good stuff too they do 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 pop culture stuff they do like binge mode in the game of thrones stuff they they do fun stuff I, I just obviously we've got the best thing going so you're sitting here listening the best you should go back and listen to all of our episodes before you listen to uh, of absolutely But Shaka if you're sitting here and you've listened to our whole catalog and looking for something else to listen to as we head into summer and quarantine and so on What else would you point out as far as You gave it a C so there are other things you're listening to I take it
1: Yeah I mean it's uh it's the AF scenario which If you like the ringer then that's awesome that you're gonna A this and I like the ringer fine as well But it's like you said there's just different things I listen to podcasts for So like when I want Entertaining podcasts i actually go check out the belly up network of podcast we got a lot of entertaining stuff now the question is what 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 is it that you're into right if you want general sports then hello f is sports we'll talk about anything if it's got a ball and some (laughs) rules we'll talk about it right and we'll grade it and it tends to be pretty entertaining if i do say so myself
2: (laughs) it doesn't even need a ball we'll we'll talk about wrestling and boxing and find the whole nine if you really want to
1: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely um i don't know that we want (laughs) like i'm just thinking i don't know that we want to be described as the podcast with no balls so um (laughs) uh, but uh if you like racing belly up does a great job with they have a podcast called chair gating they have a podcast called the hot lap podcast they actually will get into nascar if you're a fantasy sports guy md's fantasy football show pretty awesome If you like basketball, I have been a guest on Hardcourt Honeys, and I absolutely love talking basketball with that crew of folks. And then they have some podcasts that fulfill, like, really specific niches. Like, if you are into minor league San Diego Padres, they have a podcast called Friars on the Farm, where they actually talk about the minor league players within the San Diego Padres system. They'll bring those guys in. They'll have them on for interviews quite a bit. If you're into Tampa Bay Buccaneers, there's a podcast called Talk the Plank, which is all about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So obviously they've had a lot of content over the last like two months uh, with Tom Brady and with Grant coming in. Uh, there's a podcast on wrestling called uh, Queen's Takeover, which is... Uh, it's awesome. They just, they, if you like WWE, AEW, all that stuff, they will talk about it. There's several different uh, golf podcasts as well. There's the Bogey Golf Podcast, which is like, that's a little more funny. Um, and it's not that the tee-off isn't funny. The tee-off is funny as well. But uh, there's a different type of humor. So, like, if you are more kind of, uh, you like your golf and you got you like a little humor infused, then you'll like uh, tee-off. If you want kind of um, uh, caddy shack, then you'll go bogey golf. Uh, So, (laughs) Belly Up has its own niche. Puck Puck Pass, which is a hockey podcast, they have lots of great podcasts on the network. So, when, like, I want to be entertained, that's where I go. When I want to be informed, I actually go to the old standby, which is ESPN. My favorite podcast outside of the one that we do is Sports with Katie Nolan, which, even though I just talked about, like, going there for my sports information, um, that, if you like sports and you just want pure sports... And sports, sports, sports for sports Beat me over the head with sports You probably won't like Katie Nolan, actually um, that, one's a little <laughs> more, that one's a little more entertaining than anything else But, like, uh, Mina Kimes does a couple of different podcasts She's incredible I like Bomani Jones I think that he has uh, great takes on sports And then, um, like, one of my favorites is the first draft With... Uh, with uh, the ESPN crew of folks that do the NFL draft, so right around that time of year, I tend to uh, check out all of those to kind of get my uh, my NFL draft information.
2: So Levitard's one that I go back to. So I listen to Levitard pretty much daily. It, it right, it's a radio show that they post as a podcast every day, and so I, I listen to it most every day. Um, they also have a whole like family of podcasts. Interesting, you pointed out Katie Nolan and Mina Kimes and Bomani because those three all have their very much. They, they are very much a presence on the uh, letard show because they're frequent guests or they're people that kind of got early start like like Katie was on that show a lot in her early career Mina as well and, uh, it's interesting because they've all seen their like those kind of people blossom out of their show. Um, but the thing that I like about levitard especially in a time like quarantine to listen to is it's not just about scores and who's gonna win and who's the best it's just funny it, it's more it's more fun. Uh, happy-go-lucky than a lot of the Ringer stuff is. Um, you pointed out Bomani and Mina, and while they both have fun sides of them, the thing I think is interesting about those two is I always leave that podca- those podcasts or those two people talking like huh, like always like feeling like I learned something, even if it's something I probably knew ahead of time, like I feel like I just got told something or taught something interesting. I told I texted some of my friends the other day when I was listening to Mina. She almost flipped me on this idea that people pay quarterbacks too much. I've always been in the camp that people pay quarterbacks too much, and she almost flipped me on it before that. I had to double-take a thing. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. Wait a second. Like, <laughs> she really, she really really pushed that a lot. Um, she does NFL weekly podcasts on Love, and Friends Network. She does a daily ESPN show, which is really hard to do, I think, right now without any sports.
1: No, absolutely. And then there's um, there are a couple of kind of smaller podcasts, like our own. yeah, you know, we're just trying to grow our fan base that are pretty cool that I listen to as well. And it's funny because I've found out about them like via our own Twitter. And so like uh, one that we've shouted out quite a bit, and he does a great podcast that it's like it's twenty minutes long, so it's like a perfect listen. Uh, NBA One Hoops is a podcast that I've only gotten into because I found out about it because of Twitter. And so, um, just hearing uh, some of those basketball takes, and he's a guy who has, like, some strong takes on basketball that I don't always agree with, so it's like, he'll say something, and I'll start yelling at him on my own, like, as i listening to the podcast for, like, 20 minutes, which is kind of cool, uh, Bolstered up sports. I started listening to them, because they reached out to us via Twitter as well, and then... Um, They've been doing a lot of podcasts on The Last Dance. And so with The Last Dance, I wanted to get just some takes out there um, from other folks. Like, it was a pretty cool listen as well. So there's some, uh, some smaller podcasts, too, that I really uh, get into. Uh, Parker, to- I-, I was going to ask you, what's your favorite podcast? Like, if, if, we, if you had to pick one, and obviously, Effin Sports is the one. But if you had to pick another right. one, uh, what would you say is your mind Sports sports with, with, with Katie Nolan? What would your favorite podcast be? So I listen to to
2: the Levitard show every day. The interesting thing at the Levitard show is is that's not just a, a podcast; it's a radio show. So they do a they used to do a local hour that they'd only push on the podcast as the only way to access that if you weren't living in Miami was through a podcast. Then they do the radio show for three hours, and then they condense that to commercial free. You know, ends up being about an hour and a half or so podcasting. Um, every week they do they do a series of podcasts. So Sarah Spain does that's what she said. Stu Gatz from the show does Dupodity. Uh The they do something called the Mystery Crate, which is just kind of chaos and fun. Um, but if I were gonna leave that realm, because that stuff all blends together, one of my favorite podcasts would probably be the the Right Time with Bomani Jones, um, because he tends to be having insightful conversations, kind of on the periphery of sports like somewhat tangentially related to sports. And that's, that's fun stuff, especially cause it's not just number diving. It's not just crunching. I can look at numbers and think up stuff on my own. It tends to be where I learn more is when I listen to someone like Bomani talk about stuff on the side.
1: If I have to leave the ESPN sphere, cause it's definitely KD Nolan for me and <laughs> sports. But uh, if like, if I left that sphere and said uh, pick one, you know, it's, I live in Lexington. I'm a university of Kentucky alum. And so uh, Kentucky Sports Radio does a series of, of their own podcasts. It's probably that stuff that I listen to the most because I want all the recruiting news. I want to know who's coming to Lexington. <laughs> like, I need to know who's going to play linebacker for us. I need that information. So it's probably the KSR, the Kentucky Sports uh, Radio Network uh, series of podcasts that I would listen to the most Have often. Have you,
2: in the, in the wake of the last dance, did you go back and listen to Jalen Jacoby's like nightly recaps after the episodes?
1: No, but I used to. I was listening to the um, the before the um. Oh gosh, I forgot what Cassidy Hubberth and Sarah Spain called it, but uh, they were doing like these right. previews of, of kind of uh, episodes. So I was listening to those. Uh,
2: Jalen and Jacoby clearly. Jalen being Jalen Rose, the former NBA player, and Jacoby being Dave Jacoby, the guy that uh, he used to work right a lot more for ESPN. Now he just does a lot of podcasting and TV shows, but he. They clearly got previews of the episodes a couple hours before because then they could like go into depth or maybe it was more than a couple hours before they would record shows and push them at the end of each episode of the last dance and they got good interviews and good insight and then they could also talk to Jalen about like you were on that Indiana Pacers team right you were in those kind of things about the climb of the those 98 bulls. Um, Anyway, it's it's a really good if you for some reason if you miss the last dance or if you're rewatching it and you want some more like added information that was a lot of cool insight as the as the show was going. I'd never listen to it right after the show because it was late at night and it was past my bedtime. But I would listen to it the next day <laughs> after having after having watched the last dance on a Sunday night. I'd, I'd listen to it the next day
1: and it was usually pretty insightful. So here's what everyone needs to know is that Parker living in Texas, he's actually on central time. So when he says it's past his bedtime, like <laughs> I'm picturing him with like warm milk and some graham crackers at like 10 o'clock at night. Like, ooh, I have to go to bed right now. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: need my sleep, man.
1: Friends, that is another episode of F in Sports. Uh currently it's right around two thirty in the afternoon, so let's go ahead and wrap this up so that way Parker can get to bed. Parker, you want to <laughs> give us your socials? Uh
2: don't tweet me too late at night because it does send a notification to my phone, but my social <laughs> my socials are at PAinsworth 512. That's at P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H 512 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh you can also find me on the FN Sports Twitter. I generally reply with dash P A. And Shaka replies with dash CC. So you can kind of differentiate who the two of us are. But that's at FN Sports 2. That's at F I N S P O R T S, the number two, all one word on Twitter. Uh, And feel free to shout us out. Let us know what you think about our takes on Jerry Sloan or Tua or sports podcasts. If you got some other suggestions, besides, of course, FN Sports, because you've listened this far, Uh, feel free to put those in the comments below
1: absolutely we also have our FN sports instagram at f underscore n underscore sports you can reach out to us there i have my personal socials at shocker cummings at c h a k a c u m m i n g s you can find me on instagram or twitter at those uh handles That is it for another week in FS Sports. Thank you guys for listening. Please make sure that you subscribe, like, share, do all those wonderful things to help out our podcast. And check out some of the podcasts that we mentioned. Again, Belly Up Sports, check out uh, the whole catalog of things, The Ringer, ESPN. There's obviously a lot of great podcasts that are out there. But thank you guys for listening to this great podcast. And please remember, when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys.